To Dad's Meat World, it is the season finale. Season finale. Yeah. Your week, weekly, weekly, weekly dad's exploration (laughs) of Boy Meets World. (laughs) You can hear him over on the mic. I am dad number one, Brett, and there he is, dad number two. It's the season finale. No more theme song. (laughs) That's right. It's Tyler over on microphone number two. So happy that he doesn't have to watch Corey tear a Band-Aid off and watch stuff pour out of Corey's forehead. (laughs) Again, just real quick. It's that... It tr- it's through everything. Just all of a sudden, the seamless. I'm like, da, 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 da. and it's like, oh, come on! Like, they're starting to deal with things. It's, it's not childish. Like, just let them deal with the things they need to deal with, and just let them, you know, get them a little more smoother. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> I, it's always been the least favorite theme song of mine. Yeah. But yes, I am Tyler. I am excited as the final, <laughs> not just because of the final of the season, but hey, we have, once we are done recording this episode, we have accomplished something. We have gone through the whole first season, which I think is fantastic. That's right. 22 full episodes of watching young sixth grade Corey meet and engage with the world in front of him with his best friend by his side and a death chair fully consuming the other friend by his other side. Yes, and luckily the death chair will kind of go away for this next season. Although, what really, when you think about it, they do storylines where they have, you know, people kind of fill in that third friendship role, which I find interesting. We'll mm-hmm. talk more about that later, but that um, we will. Yeah, as I say, I've already started watching uh, different episodes ahead of time. I've watched them a couple of times now, so I'm really excited to start getting into all the stuff in season two, which you guys are going to have to wait a week to hear our thoughts. <laughs> no, maybe two. Let's let's say two. Let's say two to be on the safe side. So how's your week been, Tyler? Uh, week's been pretty good. Good. Um, I'm kind of going back to regular work stuff now, uh, driving school bus more, and also um, going back and did programming tonight. Uh, that went well. So I'm just excited to see, you know, everything just progressing into the new normal that is our life. And, you know, hopefully being able to leave my wife home long enough and, you know, not miss them completely and want to come home immediately and you know being able to focus on doing work <laughs> i so, remember those yeah. days uh, yes how are you today brett <laughs> i'm doing all right it's uh middle of january and actually tonight just got home from a small group where we did our our christmas party <laughs> white elephant hey. gift exchange it's never too early to uh, start celebrating Christmas for the next year. <laughs> no, not too early. That's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, my son's already singing Christmas songs, and my wife's flaw is, yeah, you just sing those songs. <laughs> You're not allowed to have Christmas music in our house till after Thanksgiving. I, I've heard these similar rules in the past, and my wife is completely against them. <laughs> I I am blessed that she is willing to not watch Christmas movies until at least, I don't know, October, September sometimes. It really just depends on when she feels like it. Like, 
I have no control over what happens in this house, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> but anywho, should we get to the final episode of Minkus? I think we should, and he certainly goes out with a bang in this episode. He really does. I I completely forgot how he leaves the show, and uh, and I know that I've heard them do interviews with them about like him leaving and him thought he was coming back, and I was like, I'm pretty sure the writers knew he wasn't coming back. They just didn't uh, tell him. <laughs> well, I I was uh, I don't know if it was entirely up to the writers, uh, and I'll, I'll you know I'll kind of broach a little bit into like season four to five here because um, I did see a little bit of an uh, interview with Anthony Tyler Quinn who plays uh, uh, Mr. Turner in seasons two through uh, four. He was actually under contract through five and after being told that he'd be back by Michael Jacobs, it was actually the studio who informed Michael Jacobs they didn't want him back. So it's very likely that Jacobs and company wanted him, Mike wanted Minkus back, but the studio decided he was just too annoying to keep around. <laughs> hey, when when the when the mouse decides, the mouse decides, and no one can say a word after that. You can't fight the mouse. It's like City Hall and <laughs> the evil Galactic Empire all rolled up in one. Basically. <laughs> Well, let's uh, dive into our season finale episode. Right. And my one. problem with Disney overall is they have too many products. I'm sorry. Wrong podcast. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> episode 22, I Dream of Feeny. Now, this is, as I said, the 22nd episode, the season finale. Corey and Sean wish that Feeny would get sick so they don't have to take their geography exams. Feeney winds up in the hospital, and Corey feels guilty about it. This episode was written by Mark Fink, directed by David Trainer, aired on Mar- May 13th, 1994, and currently enjoys an IMDb rating of 7.8. This episode is uh, an interesting way to end the season. It's got some highs, it's got some lows, but let's dive right into them. Well, can we just talk about for just a moment that when you think about the way that the first season ends, it's not this episode you think of. It's Mm -hmm. the last episode. It really is. This is almost almost a coda piece Mm -hmm. like that. The last episode really is probably a more appropriate finale for the series, the way the first season went. Mm, I agree with that. But, you know, TV show has to TV show. <laughs> you got to have 22 episodes. Yeah. So anyway, we start out Corey and Sean in the kitchen making, I'm assuming, a protein shake based on mess. the ingredients. They're just making a mess. That's all they're there to do. That's all they want to do. It's that Milk. little voice of Sean. He's ready to make a mess. That's it. That's it, yes, Brett. We're, Let's we're, just move on. We're, we're back to Sean and his, his voices in his head making him want to do things. Milk, peanut butter, a banana with the peel still on. Mm-hmm. A raw egg. Can't scramble it because Stallone drinks raw eggs. And even though he's 5'2", Corey's only like 2 foot 5. Corey puts the lid on because... Hey! 
We're not gonna make a mess. Just because we're kids with a blender doesn't mean we have to make a mess. He's lid boy. Just because we're kids with a blender doesn't mean we have to make a mess. Corey puts a lid on. Sean accuses him of being mommy whipped, which was not a term that caught on. <laughs> no. And Sean takes it off. They hit the power. And of course, goes everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> and yes, they see Amy coming uh, up to the door. Corey wants Sean to back him up. He was lid boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. They really tried to cram a few boys in this episode, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I loved Amy's reaction, which was just no reaction. Just nothing. Just, just no emotions. No nothing. Just walk stone in. face. Walk right out. Mm-hmm. Walk right out. Yep. <laughs> no words. Corey's just like, we'll clean it up. We'll clean it up. No. You don't, you don't got to yell. I'll clean it up. He knows. She doesn't have to do anything. It's perfect. He should get yelled at. Yes. Yeah. But sometimes it's just really, as a parent, especially when you get into the teenage years, it's more effective to just not say anything at all and let a teenager come to the realization of what they've done on their own. It's it's huh. It almost takes the fun out of it, but it's almost more effective to let a teenager punish themselves. I can see that. <laughs> so Sean's a little upset because his geography book is uh, soaked. And I got to call a little shenanigans here because Corey and Sean are really just up in they're They're in a knot all about this geography exam, but how is Corey completely forgotten everything he learned to appreciate about geography and learning about geography back in killer bees I understand he's a sixth grader and his memory is got the the span of about a fruit fly. But you expect me to believe he spent all that time studying and learning and growing as an individual with Mr. Feeney to study and prepare for that geography bee and not pick up something that would give him more courage and confidence about this geography exam. But he already aced one earlier in the year. You see, Brett, um, school <laughs> should not be for learning. We should be able to just sit around and do whatever we want. And teachers should just make desserts. <laughs> we'll get to that. I clipped that. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, a, that's just part of the episode, Hasta episode, which we have been told we're using way too much. And I call shenanigans on that. Literally just <laughs> they needed a subject. They picked geography. We go forth. Yeah. And it, it really loses some. The episode loses some points with me for that. If they had picked any other, math, history, yeah. and science, any other subject, I, I I could have gone right along with it. But geography was a pretty huge story point already. It, on, honestly, it should have just been their final, their final test. That's everything that they've learned throughout the year. It's they're taking it. You know, honestly, that's all it could have been. 
Yeah. I, I, not that I can fully remember, but I do remember, you know, when you go back so far that teachers, if they had you in multiple classes, they could just go, okay, we're taking, you know, a test and, oh, it's got some questions from another thing. And did you pay attention? Did you learn that too? Or, you know, trying to throw a fast one on you. And mm -hmm. I'll say, like, when I was in sixth grade, we had two teachers teaching all the classes and but they would make the test together um so even though one teacher would focus say on math and like science and the other one focus on like history and writing you know they still would work together to make the test so mm -hmm. it was like both of them were teaching the whole year for everything yeah and uh i was in a smaller school setup than Corey is um Okay, in sixth grade, I was in a much smaller setup because in sixth grade, I was homeschooled. But uh, in fifth grade, I was in the school district. And had I been in the school district in sixth grade, I would have been rotated through no less than five different teachers for subjects throughout the day. And uh, you, you, you could have had several different things. You could have had a cumulative. You could have had different subjects. It could have even been a state competency test. Yeah. But, There's all sorts of stuff it could have been. It didn't yeah. have to be geography again. Well, Singling out geography say, just kills it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll also say that, like, uh, our school district now, the sixth graders are in the middle school, mm -hmm. but they have, like, their own special area in the middle school, and they only go to that special area. So they have, like, four or five teachers that they all go to and see, but that's it. Like... It's just basically one class shuffles to the next one, shuffles to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. So mm -hmm. yeah, and I, there you go. I almost wish that they could have made it clear of if Feeney is only teaching um, one subject or two subjects or maybe three. But the way they make it seem is if he teaches every single subject, let him do a math test. You know, why don't they make it clear that Feeney maybe isn't good at teaching math, and so all the kids struggle at math? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just, I agree. Episodes Anything got besides episode. Ep I don't know. Episodes <laughs> got an episode. Uh, so anyway, Sean has used up all of his uh, sick relative excuses. I can't, core. I've already used all my bogus medical excuses. Feeney says if my grandma dies one more time, he wants to see the body. And then Sean and Corey hit on this idea about Feeney and getting sick. Why should we always be the ones faking a disease to get out of school? How come Feeney can't shoulder a little more responsibility? Uh, dream on. I hear he hasn't missed a day of school since World War I. <laughs> Which is stupid on his part because teachers still get paid when they're sick. You lie. I swear. Minkus said the school board pays them to be sick for a whole week every year. Well, maybe Feeney doesn't know that. Maybe we should leave him, like, a unanimous note on his desk. <laughs> Won't help us dodge that geography bullet tomorrow. A unanimous note on the desk. <laughs> maybe he doesn't know about his sick time. May... <laughs> Uh, I love the innocence of a sixth grader. Maybe our teacher doesn't know about the sick days they get. Mm -hmm. How could they not know about this awesome, f you get paid to be sick? <laughs> Maybe they, he doesn't know that he's a part of a union and gets to negotiate these things. Now, 
they really don't know anything about the teachers union at this point. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> so I just got to say, as a quick aside, I think my wife would be happy that I share this story. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I went to two different schools. Not important. Just making clear. Jurors clear. It wasn't my school district. Uh, so <laughs> she was telling me at one point that one of her teachers, her senior year, I'm like a history teacher, and he was teaching and got to homecoming and decided that he was going to use all of his sick time, vacation time that he has built up over the years and just stop coming to school for the year. Then he can retire. <laughs> It was just so funny because at first they're like, oh, yeah, he's just out for a little bit. And they just kept going through substitute after substitute. And finally, they had to get a long term sub because they're like, apparently, he's just not coming back. <laughs> yeah. So that's, apparently that's they're, the they're, yeah, their union had to make some compromises <laughs> the next time they yeah. negotiated. <laughs> I, I can I I can see it. Mm-hmm. But. You know, based on Feeney and the way he responds 30 years into teaching, you know, if a teacher wants to take care, you know, take advantage of the system, why not? Yeah. And if Feeney's never sick, he's probably got some serious sick time built up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we learned in the future that Feeney uses sick time, but not because he's sick. Wink, wink. Humongous wink. Uh, Yeah. I think Feeney knows, though, that he has sick time available if he I'm needs to I'm pretty sure Feeney's well aware. <laughs> <laughs> so this sets up the whole premise. Feeney needs to take advantage of sick days in Corey and Sean's mind. We transition to the classroom next day. And, and of course, Feeney's putting up this really weird duck windmill in his yard. Mm-hmm. 22 episodes in, he's never seemed to show any interest in a duck windmill and it's in the oddest place in his yard but like right in the center yeah i digress (laughs) yeah and and, you know Corey tries that whole cough and feeney's just breathing healthily uh we transition to the classroom the next day (laughs) sorry you i was gonna say old guy's got an old guy you know what i mean (laughs) i do know what you mean uh, Topanga's doing a headstand to maximize blood flow and her cognitive <sighs> performance. It's quite a rush. Mm-hmm. Just Topanga. Yeah. We get uh, <laughs> one last round of bickering between Sean and Minkus because, uh, you know, Minkus smells some blood in the water. That's right. I can just hear you 10 years from now. People, people, how many times do I have to tell you? If you save your receipts, you won't have to worry about an audit. And I can hear you 10 years from now. Your Honor, dude, I like to plea bargain. Peak master. Recidivist. Ah, recidivist. That may be the most deep cut insult Minkus has thrown t- Sean's way the entire season. Can we just have a small discussion real quick about this <laughs> back and forth between um, Sean and Minkus? Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that these are two young people that come from two very different walks of life. One could say that Sean is just kind of a, hey, I'm happy with what I have. And Minkus is a, I want everything, including yours. And 
I don't know. There's just this part of me, the way that Minkus talks down to him. Like, I get that Sean could be a bully to him and probably has in some ways bullied him, but it feels like, you know, I know they're going back and forth with each other, but it really does feel like Minkus, when he makes comments about Sean potentially being a criminal, is truly punching down to him and what is Mm -hmm. potential for him. Oh, uh, completely. I mean, Sean's... Sean's jabs and you know we see we've seen Sean do things like Minkus want to play walnut or you know Minkus gets put in a headlock and Sean didn't have deodorant on I mean we never see Sean outright uh, physically harm Minkus and his verbal insults tend to fall along the lines of Minkus you look like juicy fruit in that wetsuit or uh making fun of him for being intelligent or, you know, Minkus is going to have a job in the future as an accountant. (laughs) But Minkus really is punching down all the time. I mean, he's... And here he is. His latest and, and, you know, really last real interaction with Sean is you're going to be appearing before the bench plea bargaining for some sort of criminal activity and the last word he throws at him is recidivist which for any of the good looking people out there who aren't aware recidivism is repeatedly getting busted for the same thing over and over again and going back to jail over and over again right Minkus sees Sean as a lifelong criminal whereas Mm -hmm. Sean doesn't have high standards a high view of minkus but he at least sees minkus as having a future (laughs) right well and the way that he talks about sean as if he is dumb and i get it he's a lot smarter than him but socially he is not Mm -hmm. and i do think the show makes a good point that you know as intelligent as he is academically he struggles understanding emotions and understanding, you know, people and, and how is he supposed to act, interact? Now, we could make the argument that he could be somewhere on the spectrum. This very high functioning. That is a storyline for a future child of his and Girl Meets World. So maybe mm-hmm. he also struggles with something to that degree. Very possible. But at the same time, though. It, it feels like when they're jabbing back and forth, you know, the big, best insult that John can throw him is, hey, you're going to be an accountant, which <laughs> it's not that hard to see Minkus being an accountant. Mm-hmm. But somehow Minkus is offended that he would call him an accountant because I don't Minkus know. Minkus sees wants- himself as chairman of the board. <laughs> yeah, he, he sees himself as the owner of the company. You know, Sean is almost making fun of who Minkus is right now, where Minkus is making fun of who Air, who uh, Sean will be mm-hmm. and how no matter what he does, he will always be a criminal. He will always be the kid that dropped the cherry bomb in the mailbox. Yeah, and it really contrasts to what Alan and Amy have been instilling in Corey uh going back episodes all the way back to even 
even before The Fugitive, where Corey is that friend who pulls Sean back from the other side of, of poor decisions and shows him that you can come back. Whereas Minkus is saying, nope, nope, you're not going to come back when you make those bad choices. You know, you've done dumb things and you're not, there's, there's no coming back. This is just who you always be. And I think the show's better off without him. <laughs> oh, I agree completely. Uh, we can talk more about that next week. So why don't we just uh, keep moving forward, Brett? So anyway, as the students <laughs> get in their seats, a new teacher walks in. <gasps> it's a substitute. <gasps> Who doesn't have access to Mr. Feeney's lesson plan? <laughs> and this is Miss Chase. Now, uh, Miss Chase is played by Juliet Jeffers. Uh, she has 56 acting credits to her name, uh, mostly guest shots on uh, shows like The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, ER, Veronica Mars, Criminal Minds, Modern Family, uh, 911 Lone Star, and others. She's still actively acting, uh, even has a couple in the pike. So... Uh, still in the game, so to speak, and this is her only time that we'll ever see her on Boy Meets World. Nice. Now, since she does not have access to Mr. Feeney's lesson plan, which, uh, granted, even though we'll find out why Mr. Feeney is out ill, I kind of find it odd that she wouldn't know what's going on in the classroom. At least a general yeah. idea. Because, I mean, my wife has done some student teaching or substitute teaching uh, when we lived in Indiana. And teachers were able to leave lesson plans and actually, for the most part, were required to, at least in that district, mm -hmm. so that the substitute would have something to follow when they came in to fill in. But since she doesn't have the lesson plan, Corey and Sean are very quick to try to uh, shut Minkus up who's going to mm -hmm. be helpful and reveal there's a test, an exam, and convince the sub that the lesson was to think about their lives and write a poem, two, maybe three <laughs> lines, and it doesn't even mm -hmm. have to rhyme. Yeah. Minkus agrees for whatever reason, a potential threat of a pounding, maybe one last hope for being popular, who knows? Mm -hmm. And it being turns normal. out- One of the guys. <laughs> yeah. Turns out Miss Chase's dissertation in Penn at Penn or the University of Penn uh -huh. was on epic or her dissertation was on Beowulf. So she's the substitute teacher for a geography class at this point, and she's going to go through the first 1500 lines of Beowulf. That sounds riveting for a sixth grader. On top of that, it's so completely far off the subject matter for the class, but she's letting sixth graders dictate to her when it was very clear that was not what that was <laughs> supposed to be going on. <laughs> I think she was just calling their bluff like, I actually know about this. So since you said that, let's go ahead and do that. And I can buy that, but at the same time, to jump into poetry from from geography, it's still, I don't know. Yeah. But again, we have no idea how this class structure truly is. Yes, so we're still kind of in the dark, so say? it's kind of hard. 
Yeah, it's still kind of yeah. hard to say. <laughs> At least as the show progresses, it's very clear of what class they're in. And yes. high school, middle school, high school structure is set that it's just that class at that time. Yes, you know. we, do make, we do get a much clearer class structure come season two. Yeah. Uh, so I will say, as someone who has substituted in the past as well, even for teachers that had an emergency situation come up and they had to leave very quickly, they still had something put in place to to. Uh, so the students had something to do. Yeah, there's no way Mr. Feeney was still finishing their, ex- preparing their exams that night. <laughs> yeah, I had a, a situation once where I had like four days in a row that I substituted with the same exact teacher. Um, and it was an emergency situation. Now, I get that Feeney had a medical emergency, so he probably, quote unquote, didn't have the time, especially if 911 was called. Mr. Feeney seems like the type of guy, though, even if he is in medical distress, would still write a note and say to the uh, EMT guys, hey, drop this off at my school before we go to the hospital, please. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, And I will say that one of the things that did bother me is she goes at the University of Pennsylvania. No one from Pennsylvania talks like that? We just say, I went to Penn. You know what people say when they go to Penn State? That's it. You know, like, I don't... Okay, just quick, quick soapbox. We're in Pennsylvania. That's what you're telling me, right? Talk like you're from Pennsylvania. It's like these writers have never been to the state. Or if they've been to the state, it's only because they went to Philadelphia to the touristy places, and they may have uh, gone through the incline at Pittsburgh. But that's it, is what it feels like. You know, (laughs) we talk short. We we don't like to mess around, you know? Like, we're... (laughs) These people don't get us. And for whatever reason, it's really bugging me this time around. And I get it. This woman is excited she went to the University of Pennsylvania, but just call it Penn. So anyway, Corey and Sean scream as we break for our act. We come back and we're in the cafeteria. And Corey is bragging that uh, he wished for Fina to get sick and he takes the credit for it. Maybe I do have some kind of strange power. Like the X-Men. Only I have the power to make people sick. Yeah, it's working on me right now. Maybe I'll call myself Sick Boy. Sick Boy, possessor of a strange mutant power, can, with a glance of his sickening eye, make otherwise healthy men bend over the toilet and go, All right, Sick Boy, if you can do it, do it to him. Piece of cake. Amicus. Amicus, come here. When your mother cuts your hair, tell her to take the oatmeal out of the bowl. Sorry, Sean, but I don't have the energy to trade insults today. I'm not feeling very well. Chills? What can I say? It's a gift. Amicus, you were all right in class this morning. When exactly did you start feeling terrible? When I heard Mr. Feeney's in the hospital. The hospital? Sounds serious. For Mr. Feeney and for you. Why me? Why is it serious for me? 
karma. What goes around comes around. Karma. That's a karma. pretty heady concept for Corey to be diving into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we get another boy. Corey is sick boy. This time, at least, he gets a whole backstory. Yeah. He's a superhero with a superpower to make healthy men go, I Just another quick thing. It's just, I can't wait to no longer try to have Corey be cute. Can't stand it. <laughs> just let him be a boy. <laughs> let him be Corey boy. <laughs> just... But we do find out that Mr. Feeney is not just sick. He is in the hospital. Yes, which is, you know, for these guys would be probably really devastating of Mm -hmm. he seemed really healthy yesterday and now he's not. How is that possible? Yeah, I mean, this is a very and they do deeply care for Mr. Feeney. He has meant a lot, even just these 22 episodes. He's Mm -hmm. meant a lot to each of them. And so this really weighs on Corey and uh, Sean, his reaction is to get freaked out by Corey and run away. And we uh, head home to the Matthews living room. Amy is getting a get well card ready. And Alan and Corey both misread her handwriting. Apparently it's horrible because Alan Free reads. Bubba love Arnie. <laughs> and Corey reads fried bologna love Alvin. For what is yes. supposed to be, you'll feel better love Amy. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably uh. just she writes that really fast cursive, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's so hard to read. Like the amount of times I get something and I go, it's cursive. It's really fast written cursive. It's really tiny. That ain't got a clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I bet Feeney would be able to read it. Oh, I'm sure he would. <laughs> Corey's Corey talks with uh, with his parents about feeling guilty about wishing for Mr. Feeney to get sick, and now he's in the hospital, mm-hmm. and he's the talk he has with Alan about positive thinking and voodoo, and putting that in with what he heard from. Topanga at lunch with karma. I mean, you've got the power of positive thinking. You've got voodoo. You've got karma. You've got all these 90s new age thought process. And these were new age ideas in the 90s. These were not, Mm -hmm. at least for suburban Philadelphia, these were not fully formed uh, belief systems that they would have done any real that side of Topanga would have done any real research or thinking or exploration into. That's a lot to throw at a sixth grader boy, a 13 year old boy, especially when he's already feeling guilty. And so Mm -hmm. I appreciate Alan's efforts to try and remind him that, you know, there is benefit and that there is power to, you know, the, the idea of positive thinking, bringing health to the body. And when he starts going down the alley, that that blind alley of, of voodoo, it's just uh... <laughs> no reason, no interest. The lips are just moving. Words are coming out. Well, and I gotta say, I I feel like, especially knowing Alan as you and I know him throughout the whole show, you know, Alan as we know him would probably use this moment to say something to the effect of, you know, when I can't 
understand something or I feel like I don't have power over something, uh, I talk to God about it. It really feels like he missed an opportunity here. I feel like that's just the the writers and the show not wanting to make God a part of Alan's story. But, you know, in the future, he makes very clear comments that, yes, he believes in God. Corey, mm-hmm. every night, prays. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not an overtly Christian family, but they have biblical principles in their house. Mm-hmm. And even, even in this moment, you know, through 21 episodes, it, within the character of Alan, it feels like it, he would have said something more to be reassuring to Corey, even if it was just one more confident Corey, this is not your fault. Mm-hmm. Corey, would you like to go see Mr. Feeney when we take the card to him? Mm-hmm. Something along those lines, instead of just right. going back to his newspaper. And it feels yeah. like they just kind of missed the boat on that one. Yeah. Well, I think, again, though, it's they want Corey to experience, explore on his own, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think they they didn't do justice. I mean, Alan could also just be having an off day. We could say Very that. possible. Because there's possible. plenty of times when I don't want to explain something to my son again, um, <laughs> where I'm a little more shorter, you know, and just I just want the five minutes of looking at the thing or being listening to the thing that's going to help me to get through the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's just having an off day. Very good. Very well could be. And so Corey goes up to the bedroom and we get his conversation with Eric. Eric, we've got to talk. All right, I wished real hard for Feeney to get sick so he wouldn't have to take this geography test. And he got sick. So? So I did this to him. I have the gift. (laughs) What gift? I can make people sick. Now, now see, I've always known that, Carmen. Why do you think I sleep with a barf bag? Eric, I'm serious. Yeah, like you're the one who made Feeney's appendix blow. He has appendicitis? Yeah, he's getting operated on right now. An operation? That's bad. Remember Fluffy, our cat? He died during an operation. Corey, Fluffy fell out of a tree. They were trying to sew his head back on. <laughs> his big odds going in. Uh, why do you think I always sleep with a barf bag? <laughs> so they had a cat once. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. You his name was Fluffy, if... and he fell out of a tree. Okay, the cat who fell out of a tree is just not long for this world anyway. Okay, fell out of the tree or pushed out of the tree? I don't know, but if he fell, that was a pretty hard fall if his head needed reattached. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think that cat was doing too well if it didn't land on its feet properly. But what really sticks out to me even more here is we learned that Feeney has appendicitis, uh-huh. and that's why he's in the hospital. But why is it Eric that's telling him, not Alan and Amy reassuring him as, this isn't your fault. Mr. Feeney had his appendix burst and needed an operation. <laughs> Um, I mean, we both know the answer to that question. One, two, episodes. three episodes got <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I mean, what? okay. In fairness, though, like sometimes as a parent, you're trying to sh- shield your child from mm-hmm. 
some truths. Not that you don't yeah. think they can handle, but it's like, okay, are they ready to actually know? Where older brother, they don't care. They'll tell you, you know. Yeah. And I, I can... I can get on board with that, and I, I would definitely take that tack with Morgan. And I can understand to a point if they wanted to go that way with Corey, but after seeing how upset he was, I, I would probably have filled him in if I were Alan but, and Amy. But that's the thing, though, is they have Morgan right there. Mm-hmm. So they probably think, well, we'll talk to Corey later. He'll come back to us. If he's really bugging him, he'll talk to us. Like, we know this kid. Um, Very possibly. And, I, and I, I know for a fact that uh, many a times when I was a teenager, my mom would try to mouth things to me. I'd be like, huh? What? <laughs> and then my wife now does the same thing to me. And I go, huh? What? It's fine. Like, just go into the other room with me. Okay. <laughs> so Corey, Eric leaves the room. Corey goes over to the window seat, and Corey, we actually see, does a little praying of his own. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, he asks God for a sign. And then looks out the window and sees Feeney's new duck fall over. <laughs> Not the sign he wanted. No. Uh, but I did find it interesting that we see Corey in his in the moment of his most in his most mental his his most anguished he is sitting and he's actually asking and seeking god for a sign that that is what he's leaning back into the the core of his belief center yeah well i mean and overtly he does not say god but Mm -hmm. it's easy to see what he is doing who he's talking to and it just could be for him he's speaking that positive like speaking the truth of what's going on oh i do love that after this and after the bird falls then we get into the dream uh, <laughs> but we, it i i will say they handled this really well because the whole time until you know it's the dream you think it's just another day in the classroom mm-hmm. exactly it, but before before we know it's a dream i have to say <laughs> i i wrote it down and and it's a dream, but still, in Corey's dream, they're in geography class for a second day going through more Beowulf. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone who's watching the episode for the first time, spoiler alert, this is a dream and this should be your first indicator that it's a dream. <laughs> Do you have a problem with Beowulf? Yeah. My problem is... Nobody cares. I don't need this. When am I going to need this? No one has ever needed this. And let me make myself even clearer. Beowulf needed no. (laughs) And on a completely side issue, who names their baby Rothgar? Are you through? No. As a matter of fact, I'm not. I don't think we need geography either. Well, this is a school. What do you think we should do here? I think we should sit around and talk about whatever we want. And you should make us cupcakes. Corey Matthews, you are so right. Sean, Sean, wake up. I fixed everything. Thank you for stopping me from wasting my entire life. I mean, I would have ended up just like Mr. Feeney, who believes in geography and mathematics and all that other garbage you'll never need. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is a teacher. <laughs> 
don't you pass these out to everybody? When did you bake these? Just this second. I most heartily object to this flagrant desecration of the Temple of Knowledge. Stuff it, nerd boy. Mr. Matthews, who's the new teacher? Karen. Karen? Yeah, we're on a first-name basis. Cozy. And we're not taking that geography test, either. In fact, we've done away with geography. No one needs it. You must think you've died and gone to heaven. Yeah. No offense, but you could learn a lot about teaching from Karen. Well, I guess I've been an ogre all these years, hmm? What was I thinking? Nobody knows, but all that stress you put on us probably just bounced back and made you sick. Karma. What goes around goes around and around. <laughs> you need to lighten up. Well, thank you for the advice, Mr. Matthews. Uh, like this? Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney? Talk about a sick joke. What do you mean he's standing right here? Oh, nurse. He can't see me, Mr. Matthews. Why not? Because he's not the one responsible. Responsible for what? For killing me. I died in the hospital. What? I'm dead, Mr. Matthews. Thanks to you. I just dreamed I killed Mr. Feeney and he came back to haunt me. It was terrible. Eric. Ah! <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm memorizing the dictionary, Mr. Matthews. So we get a dream within a dream. Mm-hmm. Always get... good classic TV. <laughs> we get a very sassy Corey in his dream. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say very disrespectful and borderline sexist, uh, Corey. <laughs> I'd say more than just borderline. <laughs> yeah, I just, I felt very uncomfortable with him telling a female teacher, you should make us cookies or cupcakes or whatever he said mm -hmm. directly. Just, I don't know. It's just... This doesn't make you feel good as you sit there and go, would you say that to a male teacher? Probably not. Probably not. But is it more that he sees her as a woman or that he sees her as a mother figure and his mom makes baked goods? Could be. I just, I think. Either that, way, it's not great. Yeah. But. I mean, he's, he's in a dream, so it's not really him as he would be in class. Um. Because even with Feeney, he's never gone that far in the oh, way he's no. talking to a teacher. No. And still, unrestrained id. Always yeah. fun to see. But clearly in his dream, he believes himself to be responsible for Mr. Feeney still. Well, I was going to say, have you ever had a dream where you get into an argument with somebody and you're like, oh, glad that wasn't real? <laughs> yeah, I've had many of those. <laughs> yeah, me too. Have you ever had a dream within a dream? Yeah, I hate those dreams. It's okay. <laughs> it's never like how it shows in TVs for me. It's always been like I'm dreaming 
and then like it cuts to like almost a new scene and i'm like huh that's weird what happened to the old dream and then i'm like well i guess i'll just accept this dream it's it's not it's never quite like you see on tv when it happens to me it's but i've had them but here we have inception before inception that's true <laughs> but But here we have uh, Mr. Feeney memorizing the dictionary. Yes. And uh, he winds up leaving by walking (laughs) through the wall. Which sounds such like a thing that Corey would think that Feeney would do. Memorizing the the dictionary. I thought the same thing. It's perfectly natural for Corey to think that. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish he would have said, like, I'm reading a book. You should read a book, too. Yep. No, he's memorizing the dictionary. Which mm-hmm. is full of dust, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it gets real used a lot by those two brainiacs. So, yeah. Next morning, Alan finds Corey in the kitchen with coffee. And this is. <laughs> I drink this... after I kill a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the conversation that Alan should have had with Corey yesterday. Yeah. Um, did you catch Alan's uh, t shirt, by the way? Um. I wasn't fully paying attention, but I knew it was a t-shirt. It was an Eagles t-shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a couple episodes in my head that's all mixed around, so. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, you know, this is the conversation that Alan should have with Corey yesterday. And he reassures him that he's not guilty for Mr. Feeney's condition. That he himself had a fourth grade teacher like Mr. Feeney and that he was like Corey and Sean. And mm-hmm. and we learned that, you know, he was the kid who was, why are we going to, hey, why are we doing this? I'm never going to need this. And we learned that Alan started out as a box boy at the Market Giant. I did find it, it, it I did find it uh, kind of revealing because we've, we've always kind of wondered where, you know, how Alan got his start at the Market Giant. And according to Alan here, he got his start as a box boy and he grows up through the ranks largely because of what he learned from this fourth grade teacher that while he was complaining that he'd never need these skills. And so Corey here learns that even, you know, Mr. Feeney is, is teaching him even when he doesn't want to be taught and he's learning Mm -hmm. even when he doesn't realize he's learning. And Mr. Feeney is a huge, a huge influence on his life. And it's no wonder that he's feeling guilty. Well, I just think that's the thing is that we don't know what lessons we're going to need in the future and what things that if we just took the time to learn it when we were younger, so much easier for us to do. I know for me personally, I try to as often as I can do math either in my head or I'll still write it down just so that way I can keep practicing and and not be so dependent upon a calculator that I can't do basic math. I mean, I'll check myself with a calculator, but for the most part, I'm trying to do most math in my head or, you know, writing it down, you know, because there's going to come a day when I can't. And it's going to be a sad day, but as long as I still have that skill, I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm. Alan leaves and Corey starts to hallucinate Mr. Feeney in his coffee mug and uh, is using the advice that Alan gave him that's just a manifestation of his own guilt to which Feeney Mm -hmm. shares Ooh, manifestation 
big word for someone who can barely spell cat. I love <laughs> sassy feenie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nothing uh, like having about nine feenies in your uh, kitchen, though. Oh, I know. I didn't count them, but the kitchen fills up with feenies. I have to say, the effect doesn't quite hold up. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I streamed this episode on Disney Plus uh, yesterday, last night. And it just, it doesn't hold up on my 4K TV. <laughs> no, I wouldn't imagine so. But it, it gets the point across of Corey just wrecked with guilt. No matter what anybody says. Oh, totally. Totally. He feels guilt. Everywhere he turns, he sees Feeney and that guilt. Uh-huh. He needs he needs to, needs to see Mr. Feeney for real. So he shows up at the hospital where we find out. He took a bus to see Mr. Feeney without his parents' knowledge, and uh, we get a nice little conversation between the two, which uh, I found pertinent to clip. I brought you a geranium. Geranium. Didn't I say geranium? Yes, you did. In fact, geranium is a chemical element. Atomic weight, 72.59. It's used as a semiconductor. Your brain must weigh so much. A geranium is a lovely plant. In California, they can grow to the size of a bush. So, this is a hospital, huh? Is this your grandson? No. No way. Not at all. What he said. This is one of my students, Corey Matthews. Corey, this is Nurse Jill. Well, it's nice to see one of your students came to visit you, George. She calls you by your first name? Don't blow it for me, a little weasel. Uh, I stashed two bottles of that pineapple juice you like in case you and your non-grandson want to have one. I am eternally grateful. <laughs> Corey, you stay as long as you like. And if a big dragon in a hat that says head nurse tries to kick you out, you tell her you're a friend of Jill's, okay? Okay. See you later, George. She seems nice. Yes, indeed. Very nice. Did we just have, like, a guy moment? (laughs) Yes, I suppose we did. Why are you here, Mr. Matthews? I mean, a a hospital is a very scary place. I guess I wanted to see with my own eyes that you're okay. Thank you for your good thoughts. And that you're not dead. Oh, I can't die, Mr. Matthews. I have too much work left undone, too many students left untaught. Like me? Especially you. In a strange way, you've kept me alive. I'm glad. Because there still might be some stuff you're going to teach me that I'm going to need someday. Like what? Like say I'm walking down the street and some guy comes up to me and says, what's the atomic weight of geranium? Thanks to you, I'll be able to say, that's a plant, you idiot. Dragon alert, lay low. Maybe I'd better go so I don't get Nurse Jill in trouble. Thank you very much for coming, Mr. Matthews. You've made me feel much better. I feel better too. Mr. Freeman, thank you. For what? I don't know yet. That is quite possibly one of my favorite 
interactions between Corey and Mr. Feeney since they had that conversation in Mr. Feeney's backyard, mm-hmm. having sharing a glass of apple juice and talking about the great tire war. Yeah. I just, I think what I like about this moment, well, A, we see that uh, Feeney has game, and I think it's always <laughs> wise for the show to show, hey, this guy may be old, but he's got game. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, I like that they make it clear how important this visit is, not just for Corey, but for Feeney as well. And he's verbalizing something that I don't think Corey ever realized, which is, I think and I worry about you guys, and I know how much more I need to teach you. And you could argue that it's in this moment that he realizes that, like, you know, Corey and Sean are going to need him specifically still in the future. So when he gets the opportunity to go to the, the high school, he takes it. And I also wonder if he starts to realize that, you know, maybe he has more knowledge that, that needs to be taught outside of just sixth graders and that there are high schoolers that could benefit from his experience. And not that he has a savior complex, but just you get the feeling like he's not taking for granted maybe what he was at the beginning of the school year. Yeah, and it's it's nice to see a season finale where he's not contemplating retiring. You mean like the next uh, seven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we leave the hospital, uh, Nurse Jill is played by Janet Carroll, who uh, passed away in 2012. Oh. And uh, had 105 acting credits to her name. She actually appeared in an episode of Knight Rider, where Mr. Feeney provided the voice of Kit. Nice. She also appeared in Cagney and Lacey, Risky Business, Golden Girls, Quantum Leap, Murphy Brown, Married with Children, Scrubs, and a whole lot more. That's a lot of good shows. That is. It's always amazing to me. Yeah. Well, it's always amazing to me when people have almost have over a hundred credits, and it's just every possible big show they have an episode or two under their belt. Oh yeah, she had a, a qual. She has a quality uh, quality list that she was able to guest star in. Mm-hmm. So we leave the hospital. We're back in Mister Feeney's yard as Corey's mm-hmm. trying to fix Mister Feeney's dumb duck, which His is a words- nice gesture. Yeah, his words, not mine. Uh, Alan wants to know what he's doing. Corey fills him in. Alan's going to give him a tool. And it turns out Mr. Feeney has gotten home a day early and Mm -hmm. surprises Corey. Mr. Feeney is going to plant the geranium that Corey got him in the flower bed. And it's going to grow big and strong. (sighs) They had a nice ending here until they went for the low-hanging fruit of the joke as long as no one wishes it ill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after all of that episode for Mr. Feeney to make that, to say that line, whether, and I'm sure in the world, he didn't know that that's something Corey had going on. Maybe he intoned it be just by, because Corey needed to come see him, but 
which would actually make it worse in my head if he kind of figured it out. But yeah, I mean, it's just I just I don't like that they ended it on it. <laughs> no, it's not great, but it also does play to the playful nature of their relationship. Mm-hmm. That he's not just his teacher; he is his next door neighbor. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure Alan and Amy probably had a conversation with him and he's talking oh, about, sure. well, he was really worried about you. You know, uh, honestly, there's a chance that they even talked to him before Corey went and visited him, you know. Very possible. But, you know, I, I don't think it's out of left field, especially with the way the world is set for the first season. Yeah, I mean, it's not out of left field. I, I just for my preference i would have preferred they ended it before that sentence was shared agreed completely <laughs> and so that we get to the tag where Corey, sean topanga and minkus are trying to light a light bulb using only the power of their minds <laughs> say wait say it again we're back in the classroom and they're trying to use the power of their mind yes to light a light bulb <sighs> yes <laughs> yes and and it's not working no, it's not. Not yet. It's not working. And then Mika shares that it's because they're not really serious about it. They're not really <laughs> wanting it. And then Corey and Sean decide that they will focus on something they really want. Yes. And Mika disappears. Yes. And that is the last we will see of Mika until a cameo at graduation. <laughs> I was here on that side. On the other side of school. <laughs> we don't go to that side. <laughs> well, wait up, Mr. Turner. <laughs> I just, again, it's as we said it, he just doesn't fit in the show. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think the actor does a bad job. I don't even think the writing is horrible for him. It just, I, I just don't think they could naturally find a way for him to truly stay together. Yeah, uh, nothing against Lee Norris as an actor. I think he did admirably with the material he was given. I just don't think the character fits. I think the character is a knob, and the character did not bring a lot of great benefit to the show. I think Mm -hmm. at times the character actually detracted from the show. Yeah. I mean, he has a lot of great moments, though, still. Probably the drunk on uh, Yahoo... uh (laughs) <laughs> Minkus is probably still the greatest. Um, but yeah, I just... We kicked you know, Wall always... Street butt. <laughs> What's the answer, Matthews? <laughs> Aren't you forgetting the chip to Acapulco? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I even Slap said... Slap me in a wet suit and throw me overboard. <laughs> if they could have brought him back to be a love interest for Topanga, you know, that could have been interesting. Maybe less nerdy, maybe dial it down a little bit. Right. Well, okay, just... This is a real out of left field. You can take this out of the recording. Don't care. But it almost felt like in season five when Topanga and that one guy who I can't remember because who cares? He's only one episode. When those two go on a date, you almost feel like they wrote that episode for Minkus to return to take his claim on becoming Topanga's boyfriend. And he's kind of cooler, you know, he's more artistic and also smart. But, you know, I think it just fell flat because there wasn't anything like 
concrete to be like this is a true threat to who Topanga could be with and I don't know I'm just now thinking what if Minkus was in that spot and could have been different eh, I could see that I can definitely see us exploring that more when we get to it yeah but anywho <laughs> shall I get to some deep dives yes let us get to some deep dives People, 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 people. Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? I have to say, we're keeping that sting as long as possible. Unless we naturally come across something better, I don't think oh, we will. I, but. I agree. I have no intentions <laughs> of redoing that one. Yeah, so that thing is sticking around unless we really come up with something better. Uh, so, anywho, let's start with uh, Stallone. Because they mentioned the name, so why not? (laughs) Sylvester Stallone is an actor, writer, producer, director, most known for Rocky and the Rambo franchise. Famously, I don't know if many of you actually know this, so I'll go ahead and talk about this. Rocky was actually an independent movie that was made and was made for almost no money whatsoever. But still, this movie was nominated for many Oscars. Best Actor, Best Actress, Supporting Actor, Screenplay, Best Sound, and Original Song. It won for Best Picture, Best Director, and Editing. So for a movie that cost almost nothing to make, truly is spectacular that they were able to get so much out of it. And that really spawned his career moving forward. And it was one of those deals, and he's uh, Sylvester Stallone's been very open about the fact that the studios that he would go and pitch this movie to, Rocky, they were interested in the movie because they thought the screenplay was well-written. What they didn't want was for him to be attached to it. And so he had to fight to be the actor. So he could have had a Rocky come out earlier. It would not have been Sylvester Stallone, and it probably would not have been as big of a hit because I think you needed him for that role. But yeah, Sylvester Stallone went on to do other stuff like Demolition Man. He's also notably in The Expendables playing Barney Ross. He also played Bullet Man in a movie called Animal Crackers, which I highly recommend. And then he played King Shark in The Suicide Squad, which again, highly recommend. (laughs) (laughs) I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone could do a lot with a whole little. I just looked up real quick while we were sitting here. Because uh, Sean says, oh, nurse. And when he said, I'm like, I feel like that's a catchphrase from something. And so apparently there was a TV show called Oh, Nurse. In, uh, it was a TV movie in 1972. I could always look up more, take more time to actually look up if there's a more specific reference. But I also know that, like, the maniacs would do, hello, nurse. So it's just part of the zeitgeist potentially at this time for sexualizing nurses, I guess, probably. Let's go to paid sick leave. Basically, from what I found in the city of Philadelphia, teachers are, as long as they're a full-time employee, they're guaranteed 40 hours a year in sick time, and they're allowed to accumulate that for a while. So if he's been in the game for 30 years, which is what he's said before, you know, roughly he could have about 30 weeks of sick time if he hasn't used any of it. But knowing who Mr. Feeney is as long as we go into the future, you know, Mr. Feeney wasn't always the staunchy man that he is now. He used to, I don't know, skip work a little bit or take an, an appointment, you know. One of my favorite lines in the third season is, "He is, she is my dentist. 
<laughs> so Philadelphia hospitals real quick. You know, Philadelphia, like every city, has a couple of different hospitals and has like teaching hospitals that are all attached to each other, especially by university. So like University of Pennsylvania has several hospitals that are connected to it for teaching purposes, but also for healing purposes. Thomas Jefferson is a big one as well. Jefferson Frank. Frankford Hospital. There is just a lot of hospitals. Thomas Jefferson saw that again. Kingston Hospital. So there's a lot of possibilities for where Mr. Feeney could potentially be. Most likely somewhere between one of the the hospitals that is owned by the Thomas Jefferson University or Penn uh, University Hospital. So, but again, depending upon the suburb, that all takes a play that all plays into it. And again, all we know is just a general area of Philadelphia. So who's to say? I already talked about this, but University of Pennsylvania is just called Penn. That's how we call it in Pennsylvania. It is ranked seven in the nation for universities. It's tied for seventh, actually. Location is urban because it's in Philadelphia. Undergrad enrollment is roughly uh, 23000 And tuition and fees is roughly about 63000 Fun. It's a private institution. Ivy League. Yes. So let's talk karma for just a second. They were throwing out all sorts of things. I just went with karma because I think that's the most popular one. And it's the one that's kind of been accepted, you know, from the 90s into the early 2000s and even today. I think just about every single sitcom deals with karma at some point, mostly when a character is being a jerk. You know, bad things happen to them, a.k.a. Jeff Winger. So basically, definition of it is a force generated by a person's actions held in Hinduism and Buddhism to perpetuate transmigration into its ethical consequences to determine the nature of the person's next experience existence. So essentially, if you do good, good will come to you. If you do bad, bad will come to you. That's all it's saying. What goes around comes around. Or, right. as Corey puts it, what goes around goes around and around and around. <laughs> yes. And I do love me some Jeff Winger. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about guilt and seeing things that aren't there. So basically, I found an article in Psychology Today, which refers to you know people seeing ghosts and people seeing that things that are not there. Oftentimes it is because of anxiety and guilt, especially like seeing a loved one who has passed away. They're not saying that there could not potentially be an actual physical ghost there, but they're just trying to say, you know, hey, if you're not dealing with your grief and your guilt, and, and you know, if you're not dealing with what happened before they died or the relationship you had, that can haunt you. So basically saying like, if you're seeing something that is not there, you need to go get help and you need to talk about it. I can't speak about ghosts because I know that there are people that firmly and definitely believe that they are there. I'm not saying that they're not there, but I know I have not experienced anything with a ghost, nor do I ever want to experience anything with anything that is not real right in front of me. <laughs> so with that said, yes, it's possible that someone could be seeing something that is not there, but that is due to anxiety and, you know, feel, feeling guilt. So it is very much possible that you're seeing stuff that's not there. No, I, I have never seen a ghost. I, I mean, I know there are people that affirm, yes, I've seen a ghost. I mean... I know old houses make weird sounds and do weird things. So, so that's uh, I think all I got really. Um, they did mention X Men, and which we will we will get to X Men. 
Oh, we will. The very first episode of season two. <laughs> well, before we wrap this episode up, Brett, do you think we should really quickly give a uh, hint to what's coming up next week? Because I'm pretty sure we're not doing the first episode next week. We have a special episode. Yeah, let's let's give a little hint. Sounds good. Um, well, you know, you know, uh, good-looking people. How at the end of each uh, school cycle uh, term, whatever you want to call them, uh, you get uh, little report cards in the mail, or, or you know, your kid is forced to send it home, and you have to sign it saying you've seen it. <laughs> well, we've decided. I think we need to do our own little report card. So that's what we're gonna do next week. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I have been tracking our grades that we've been giving, and so we'll share about those. Yep. We're going to share some of our highs and lows and hand out some of our own uh, our, our own uh, special, uh, maybe gold stars, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And some other uh, surprises along the way for you good-looking people. Oh, yeah. I got something cooking in my brain, and I just got to figure out how to make it happen, so... But I'm really excited. I'm not telling you a thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyler, uh, what did you what did you learn from this episode? Oh, this episode. Well, um, boy, I guess I just I'd have to go to what the point of this episode is. Um, well, no, let's scratch that. I think I go back to that moment in the hospital. Um, where Corey and Feeney have a very open discussion about how they need each other. Um, you know, I, uh, I think I sometimes forget just how much I think about and I worry about these students that I've been entrusted to, um, to shelter and to care for and, and to, um, push. Uh, and, you know, I, when I, think about you know the experience we've had so far with our son and uh the pregnancy and all the stress and worry i know that they're worried and stressed at the same time um and i know that us being able to bring our son home was the victory not just for us but was for them as well um and so i think i just i i wouldn't say learn but i think i just took a moment to appreciate that you know how much these young people are invested in my life just as much as I'm invested in their life. You know, I think back to when somebody uh, who had a, the same position I had when they were pregnant and were worried about and stressed about it, and I stressed and worried about them too. <laughs> yeah, I think I know that person. <laughs> yeah. What did you learn this week, Brett? Um... You know, I, I was reminded of the importance to listen when people are, are saying you're not responsible for something and just mm -hmm. how foolish it is to take on guilt that's not yours to own. Mm -hmm. And that even though it does take a lot of work to accept that knowledge, you need to do so or you're only going to bring harm to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Corey, Corey really modeled that pretty effectively. Yeah. So how would you grade uh, I Dream of Feeney? Oh. Here's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is one of those episodes, and we've kind of been on a roll with the episode has to episode um, 
And so it's like the story and the plot are very contrived and very much this is the point of the episode. We want to get you from point A to point B. Um, so on, on that note, it's an average episode. But at the same token, the moments that we have truly with Feeney and Corey being vulnerable with one another uh, and even sharing a, a guy moment, you know, um, just kind of humanizes Feeney more to Corey. Um, mm-hmm. So I think where I'm landing at this point, because I, I am disappointed in Alan Matthews and even Amy Matthews in this episode, but this wasn't their episode to shine. Um, but I probably go with a B plus. If episode didn't have to episode, this very easily could have been an A. Mm-hmm. But episode episoded. Episode did episode all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the episode episoding, I, I've got to stop leaning on that language <laughs> so much. <laughs> Yes, by the way, good-looking people, that shirt and sticker and print is in the shop. You can get a magnet with that in the Dad's nice. Wolf shop. If there weren't so many plot contrivances and ignoring, especially the whole Corey with the Geography Bee and Alan and Amy being such poor examples of themselves in the past and... If it weren't for all that to overcome, this would very easily be an A episode for me because the emotional core with Corey and Feeney is is right there. But because there's so much to overcome, this winds up being just an average episode for me. So I land on a C. Yep, that's fair. No, and that's the hard part about an episode like this. Like, there's such great moments, but on the same token, we're seeing shells of people that we shouldn't be seeing. I got to wade through a lot of junk to get to those great moments. And I've, I've got to get through 18 minutes to get to that, that moment with Corey and Feeney. Yeah. You know what it feels like? It feels like a good episode of girl meets world. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's probably a a very apt comparison. Mm -hmm. This is probably a pretty good bar for girl meets world. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I believe I, as we've angered some of our fan base, <laughs> bring it. Send us an email. Complain to us. I checked before we recorded. No emails yet. <laughs> <sighs> it's like they're not even hearing us. <laughs> I know. Hi. So I, d- I do have a, a a joke for you. A dad joke. Hit me. This one has to do with a hospital. <gasps> You'll notice I've been picking my dad jokes to try and tie them into the episodes. I have caught that, yes. So, like a cold. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. So my pregnant wife hobbled into the hospital with one hand on her back. A nurse asked her what's wrong, and my wife screamed, shouldn't, wouldn't, didn't. The nurse shook her head and said, I'm sorry, I don't understand. My wife's face contorted in pain as she shouted, can't, won't, don't. The nurse, bewildered, turned to the doctor. Admit her, the doctor said. She's having contractions. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very nice. 
With that resounding thud of a landing, I'd say this was an episode. This indeed was an episode. And again, we've completed season one, which is incredible. (laughs) So, as good-looking people, you get to join us for season two. But join us next time as we go review and give season one our report card. Yep. Come back. We'll give you the answers to uh, the test, and then uh, we'll be good to go. That's right. And don't forget, check us out on socials, Dazmeet yep. World, and send us an email at dazmeetworld at gmail.com, and check out the shop at dazmeetworld.threadless.com. And re- remember to send your complaints about my big fat Greek wedding to Brett at uh, all his socials. Dude, that was two episodes ago. Hey, people are still angry. I know it. <laughs> Alright, see you good looking. After you good looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story. Relative excuses. Ooh, manifestation. Oops, that's the wrong one. <laughs> you can find Dad's Me World <laughs> pretty much everywhere online. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So can I just tell you, when we started dancing uh, the other day as we were recording with Abby, all mm-hmm. I could think to myself was that she was just looking at us like, Why? <laughs> Love you, Sarah. Sorry, I was just informed that you may hear uh, Henry just in a few seconds. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Making his podcast debut, my third son, Henry. Henry, do you like Boy Meets World? <laughs> yeah, talk towards the microphone, honey. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's There's a good, a good one. Where's my button?